Hello, it's Taking Turns, episode three, and this is our Thanksgiving special. And you know what's special about it? It's Thanksgiving? Yep, and it's special because it is way shorter than normal. Yes, we uh, we respect your time and respect the time of everyone's families. Uh, so we're going to make it a shorter 30-minute episode, mm-hmm. still get some sweet jams, uh, but we definitely wanted to bring you some Taking Turns action, despite it being a holiday. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk to you about some video games. It's, uh, it's what we like to do. That is true. So far, we have done almost nothing but that on this show. Yeah, I know. Uh, we we initially pitched this to ourselves, I guess, as, uh, you know, we'll talk about video games and all the other stuff we love, and uh, instead we just talk about video games. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we'll get to the time of year when there aren't video games to talk about, but right now there is nothing but video games to talk about. I can't not think or talk about video games in yeah. November. Yeah, there's like there's quite a few, and yes, so I, I feel like you're right. Once we get out of this uh, very overwhelming time with a lot of games, we'll be talking about movies and comics and anime and other stuff but for now all games yes sir it's an all game zone what game uh have you been playing lately nick i have been playing a lot of captain toad treasure tracker on the Ooh. nintendo wii u platform okay um did you play so did you play 3d world much that's the 3ds one um so 3d land was the 3ds one and 3d world was the wii u sequel to the 3ds game um but then those, no. Okay, so it's it's a lot like that. So there were these mini games. The yeah. elevator pitch for this game is there are these mini games in 3D World where you play as Toad, and Toad is just super like fat and weighed down with a backpack, and he can't jump. So it's like imagine playing a contemporary 3D Mario platformer without the ability to jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it this is that's kind of the the whole idea of this game. Um, and so it's it's basically what it is. It's like Nintendo's uh, I think EAD Tokyo is the studio that does this game. Um, building a Super Mario 3D World style game out of those exact assets, but it's a puzzle game instead of an action game. Um, mm. And it's really fun to like read about the development of this game because they they sort of said that they initially you could jump and like they had other ideas too, but they realized that they were just making another Mario game. So by restraining themselves and making it so you're playing as a sort of helpless character who can't fight back, um, they've really like it, it feels so different. Um, and they had little mini games where you played as Captain Toad in the in 3D World initially, but this game is all that all the time. Um, there's about 50-ish stages, and there are all these like little puzzle block things where you manually rotate the camera around them to sort of approach them from other angles. So okay. I don't, you have all the information there in front of you, like you always know where everything is. Basically, it's just a matter of outsmarting the game. Um, yeah, so it. I am really, really, really liking it so far because I, I don't think that that studio can can do any wrong. It's the same team who made Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2, which is why uh. it's so incredible. Um, and just, yeah, like everything that has the, the sort of Mario 3D world name on it, it's just impeccably polished and and gets a legitimately super hard. Um, yeah, I don't, were you a Galaxy fan much? So I played the first one yeah. uh, through to completion, I think. Uh, and then the second one I always meant to, but... It was on the Wii, and that always wasn't really my first priority uh, for playing games, which totally. is really dumb when it comes to games like Mario Galaxy, because that's like pretty close from what people say to being one of the perfect game series. Yeah. Uh, in that it is great all the way through, and like the second game was just as good, if not better, mm-hmm. uh, and so it really deserves my time. And maybe that's, you know what, maybe now that we're in the holidays, and I'll be going back to uh, my parents' house where they still have a Wii, I could play through that. Yeah, that game is is incredible, and I, it's funny because like 
uh, Galaxy 2, from everything I've read, came from um, them developing Mario Galaxy, and almost they almost put out like a Mario Galaxy 1.5 was the idea. Hmm. They just had so many more ideas for stages and levels, and eventually they decided there's so much content here, we could sell it as its own game. And that's kind of the story of how Captain Toad happened. Um, apparently, Miyamoto himself saw the Captain Toad minigames in uh, 3D World and was like, that could be a whole video game. Let's make, like, a standalone video game of that. And that's what this is. Um, and it's just, huh. ugh, it's so good. Like, it is so polished and fair. And uh, they've also, like, I think what the reason I love uh, the Galaxy game so much and 3D World and 3D Land is because they do an awesome job of giving you reasons to go back to levels. Yeah. Um, like, those games are great, I think, because any, like... A 10-year-old could pick it up and play through the whole game all the way to the end, just running to the finish line and grabbing the star at the end. But, um, a, like, someone who is maybe, I, I don't know, I hate to use the word hardcore, but a player who wants to get everything out of it will, like, go try to get all three stars on every level or uh, complete every sub-objective. Um, and this game is exactly like that, where you could just run to the star at the end, and it is actually a satisfying challenge to get the star on each level. But there are three hidden diamonds on each stage, um, and they're all hidden in, like, they're they're micro puzzles inside of each stage um what's really cool too and something that i don't think i've ever seen nintendo do in in this exact way before um is every time you beat a level an objective opens up on the level you just completed um to play it again in another way so for example uh, there's like a sliding block level where you can like slide parts of the stage around and there's an objective that's like complete this with only three touches on the touch screen or Hmm. uh, go through this one getting 140 coins or defeat every enemy or sneak past every shy guy um, that's the other thing too is that like it's almost a stealth game sometimes um, the main antagonists are shy guys and uh, for the most part they only chase you if they see you and so like there was one level where it was like get through this without getting alerted by a shy guy and it was like a legitimately hard stealth challenge um, this seems like the studio that you would want to put for stealth sequences in a game though right yeah and, and the cool thing is it, it's not uh, I wouldn't even call it forced because, like, you could beat the level and get by without doing it. It's just if you want to go back and complete everything, that's another challenge for yourself. It's just Nintendo, I think, is is really kicking ass at uh, making these games that you feel like you got your whole money's worth out of. Uh, yeah. 3D World and 3D Land being great examples of that. Like, I went through and replayed through those countless times. I'm about to do it again on my new Wii U uh, with 3D World. And, uh, yeah. And speaking of getting your money's worth, it is... Uh, thirty nine ninety nine. It's coming out like in uh, early December, I think December ninth or something. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's like it's forty bucks. Uh, so far, it feels very, very much worth that. Like, I just I love these games because I love getting in the heads of uh, Nintendo EAD Tokyo. They they make my favorite video games I think that exist, and uh, this is just another chance to see their incredible like level design and cleverness and. It's also the cutest video game that I've ever played in my life, probably. Um, it's it's incredible. I'm really, really happy with it. It seems like they almost pulled some of the mechanics that made the Trials games work so well, right? Like in Trials, you can anyone can literally pick up a controller and race the bike through it, and eventually they'll get through it. But then there's the challenge of, like, can I make it all the way through this, beating my friend's times without f- crashing and having to restart. Uh, and it seems like this game kind of does the same thing right yeah, that's what you're talking about specifically in the most recent trials where there were uh there were like sub objectives to get through a level uh in a certain way yeah. like uh there were those hidden objectives there's that hidden tennis mini game in the new trials that was super strange i, I don't know i think a yeah. lot about like i wonder what the culture is like at nintendo and how much playing of other games they do um a lot of people who see this game their their first uh point of comparison is actually fez 
Because of the rotating viewpoint? Yeah, well, the rotating viewpoint and the fact that there are these very sort of uh, suspended in midair, isolated, floating puzzles, and it's pure puzzle. And it's also, like, just like Fez, there is uh, just super minimal controls. It's just the analog stick and one button. You use that button to uh, interact with things, pull turnips out of the ground, sprint. It's not really a sprint because you're going super slow. But, uh, yeah, I I really am, am just super happy with it. I, Interesting. Yeah. It's it's one of those games that just reminds me of like why I love Nintendo stuff so much. Yeah, that was kind of the feeling I had when I saw that Yoshi Yarn game at right. uh, E3 this last year. I kind of dug the fact, by the way, that there's a level based on Yoshi's Woolly World in Smash Brothers, even though that game's not out yet. What? Yeah, it's kind of a cool little preview there, I thought. Yeah, that's cool. It's almost like they know, like, hey, listen, you're going to be playing Smash Bros. for the next six or seven years. And this game will have been out by then. Right. Let's just put it in there. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about how, like, uh, there's all this Wii Sports-themed stuff in in uh, Smash 4, likely because, like, you know, Wii Fit Trainer and stuff like that. But um, none of that was in Brawl, even though Wii Sports existed uh, at the same time as Brawl. And it, it sort of is interesting to see them, yeah. like, nostalgia about the Wii is a weird idea. But, like, listening to that Wii Sports music is legitimately, like, semi-nostalgic for me. So... I don't, it's fun seeing Nintendo's relationship with their own properties kind of evolve. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, and well, I mean that's what Smash Bros is all based around, right? It's just like morphing them all together. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty neat to see them going outside of, even though Yoshi is part of the Mario Bro friend group, um, the yarn games very much are not, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I'm yeah I'm I'm just I'm between this and Smash. I have really liked being a Nintendo fan in 2014. Um, also, they were, like, really generous with what they were letting us show off of the game. I got to do an hour-long live stream of it yesterday, and there's, like, an archive of that on YouTube. Okay. Um, so that exists. Uh, yeah, it's... I recommend taking a... Like, I recommend you check it out, because it's... It's just... They, they don't make... I don't think Nintendo EAD Group Tokyo knows how to make bad games. I just think they don't... Or is it SPD Group? I don't know. I wish they would give <laughs> their developers real names. Like, it's weird that one of my favorite game developers on the planet is called like Nintendo SPD group number three where it's like, it just, they don't even want anyone to grow attached to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they want games to just come from Nintendo, but like yeah. the fact is the warrior wear and, and rhythm heaven team makes a very different Nintendo game than like, I don't know, uh, the smash brothers team or yeah. I kind of wish that they would give those divisions real names so people could like become fans of them individually. Cause like, not all Mario games are created equal. Super Mario, like, I don't know. New Super Mario Brothers is not as good as 3D World. And that's because no. a different team made it. It's just the reality of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to be seen as cohesive Nintendo. Totally. It's interesting. Uh, what have you been playing? You know, I have been playing This War of Mine. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it at all. It comes from, I think it's 11-Bit Studios. Mm. Um, they made some other game that i'm now forgetting the name of but uh basically what it is is it's like set inside of this sort of war-torn like uh, i would assume european country eastern mm-hmm. european country where uh like you've been taken over for like multiple years right like help did not come after you were bombed and uh you sort of see this like halfway cutaway of a house like a side view uh, and you have like three survivors in it at the start, and you have to sort of scavenge or, or scavenge through the house and like find materials and find, uh, you know, 
food and components to parts to build beds and like your whole goal is to survive and you stay inside the house during the day and then at nighttime you go out and scavenge and you scavenge in like dangerous places where you know people will come with knives and they'll stab you and you know you're bleeding and you need to find bandages and it almost has like this daisy aspect of like you need to find things and build things to survive but you might not find those things unless you risk sort of infiltrating an area where you probably shouldn't be Mm. Uh, but it's interesting at the same time because you're not just going into like military outposts and stealing their stuff like you will break into a house where like there's a family in there and you steal their stuff and you know you're like thinking to yourself okay i just need some wood and i can build beds and all my guys are fine and be like oh sweet i'll take this food and like i'll go and you know take it home one of my guys is a good cook he has the good cook attribute so he'll cook it but then you take all that and then the person who you had out scavenging feels bad right like he sees a family who can't defend themselves and he's like why did you make me take their food you know and it's it's all like they have their own emotions and it's very uh it's very interesting and almost eye-opening as someone who plays a lot of games and you know there's survival games where your goal is to survive as you and you never really think like well i if i'm playing an actual character what would they be thinking about this right um and there's like a lot of times where like one time i broke into a house and i had a shovel with me and uh i was just trying to dig through something but there was like a homeless guy who was like i need food any kind of food and i told him no and then I pulled out the shovel just trying to break into something. Uh-oh. And he, like, cowered in fear thinking that he was like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And it was, like, crying in front of me. Wow. And it was, like, it's it, it's very emotional in a way that you wouldn't think that a side-scroller sort of Shadow Complex-esque scavenging game is. Huh. It's funny. I remember hearing about this game a while ago but not knowing much about it other than that someone was developing a game about what war is like from the civilian perspective. Yeah. Um, is it fun? It is. It is. Um, I don't, I think it's an experience in in many ways. I think there's very different kinds of fun, right? Like you know, a lot of times like fun is like oh, Smash Bros. Punch people, fight, and like yeah. have a good laughy jolly time. This definitely isn't like a a game where you sit there and laugh and you're like oh that that was so much fun, like right. good good chuckle. Uh, but I think it's a very well made game uh, and has super strong mechanics, and I think that it is fun in gameplay terms but the emotional setting is not like a happy-go-lucky thing so it's almost a little bit hard to qualify mm-hmm. but uh it's 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 a really well-made game that uh taps pretty hard into emotions and uh, at the same time really captures what makes resource management games fun uh and it's pretty interesting too because more people can come and join in on your house if you let them uh, and say you only take one person out scavenging and say you take out one person and you leave both of them to s- the other two to sleep at home or to like guard, uh, other people can come in and scavenge your house, uh, while you're gone. Not real people, but like AI characters, I guess, uh, you mm-hmm. kind of just come back afterwards and you're like, Oh, I had this sweet haul. And then they'll be like, yeah, two of your dudes got stabbed and they stole all of your food. Shit, right? And it almost makes you think, like, this is what it's like for the people that I'm doing this to. Right. Like, they're also just random survivors trying to live, trying to, like, go around and scavenge for things. And then someone breaks in in the middle of the night, stabs them, like, pulls out a shovel or whatever, tries to threaten them. And uh, it, it, it 
makes you think about stuff a lot more and not in like a oh i need to be conscious of what i'm doing gameplay wise but like you're sitting there and it's just like i could use this food but they could also use it and say maybe i need to come back later and barter with them and like bring a compromise of some kind huh i don't want them to know that i'm the guy who stole all of their food it almost sounds a little bit like uh have you heard of the castle doctrine I've heard the name of it, but I have yeah. no clue what the gameplay's about. So it's by Jason Rohrer, who's the guy who made mm. that indie game Passage forever yeah. ago, which was like the very, like very. I think I feel like that was one of the first like iconic, artsy, uh, short indie game experiences of like the past ten years. Um, but Castle Doctrine is like it's it's like the game you're describing a little bit, except for it's multiplayer and it's about setting traps in your house, but also breaking in into other players' houses and taking their money. Um, and, and sort of the whole premise is that, like, you have a family who you're trying to defend. Um, other players are coming into your home to try to basically uh, take your stuff and possibly kill your family. But huh. you're kind of doing the same thing to them. Um, and uh, it's I think it's permadeath-driven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like a permadeath-driven uh, uh, turn-based thing. Um, it's I, I really it's something that I've been meaning to check out and seems like it would be a uh, sort of a good compliment to a single-player game like this War of Mine. Yeah, we should set up a, a game of that. And just play against each other. Yeah, I'm down. I want to okay. see what it's like. Um, yeah. it was. I remember it being actually um, almost like surprisingly controversial among the, the indie game scene just for like the message and the name The Castle Doctrine and just like the stance that it seems to take on when you can justify murdering people to defend and fend for your family. It sure. was like, yeah interesting definitely hmm well okay well we'll report back on that in the coming weeks when yes. we find time to play that um but in the meantime i think you should also check out this war of mine it's yeah. pretty cool it, it's it's uh, it's like a little bit expensive i'd say um it's 20 dollars, hmm. which seems hard to qualify as um you know what is and is not expensive um but at least so I think there's, uh, it's easy to say that's a little bit expensive when you're looking at like this side view, almost Shadow Complex-esque, like right. I said, game. Um, but when you think about the experience of it, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily fair to say. Hmm. I almost just turned around my thought on it a little bit. But like it can, it can easily come off as being expensive, I think is right. a better way to say it. Um, and it is expensive. $20 is like a lot for a game, right? Like... Uh, you can get much. Uh, you can get really good experiences like Gone Home for like seven dollars now. Um, right. But people also have to buy that at twenty dollars to make seven dollars make sense for everyone else. Um, and I would suggest very much so that people at least look into this war of mine. I know uh, like there's a lot of YouTubers who have videos of it, mm-hmm. and uh, Giant Bomb has a quick look. And and one of the interesting things too is that I'm pretty sure it's. Not it will so it's not like procedurally generated or like it doesn't start differently each time, uh-huh. but your actions change things, right? Like say you decide not to scavenge the first night and instead you're just guarding the whole time, then no one can come in and steal your stuff. No one can get injured, right? Mm. But maybe in a video you watch, they didn't do that and someone got injured. So it's kind of neat because you can sort of understand the mechanics of it before you go in, because uh, it is a little bit mechanic heavy. Um, but it's it's a really interesting game that I'm actually glad I took a look at. That's cool, and I wonder. I mean, it, it is a pretty recent release, right? Like it's a, yeah, just I think over it came out last old. week. Yeah, right. 
So I wonder, I mean, by the time this podcast goes up, the uh, there is apparently, uh, allegedly going to be a Steam sale starting True. on Wednesday, is what I'm hearing. So we'll see if it gets discounted. It might be too recent. But I do I do love the idea of, like, games that make you do unethical shit to, yeah. to get by. I was actually, uh, Anthony Birch has a, sort of a, I think it's like a Tumblr where he writes about uh, playing games. Uh, it's called, like, No Wrong Way to Play, I think is the name. And he writes about going into games and approaching them uh, with specific... Uh, like self-imposed restrictions and he tried to do one recently for uh bioshock where um you know how in bioshock uh you have the decision where like you can either uh like let the little sisters go or harvest them to get like allegedly more adam but really it's not that much more Mm -hmm. um he his whole thing was he wanted to do a run where he was not allowed to use adam that wasn't harvested from little sisters and he was what he was hoping would happen he said was like he'd go into the situation and just get in these really hard desperate combat situations he was like god i really don't want to do this i don't want to have to harvest a little sister but i'm gonna do it so i can get the atom and And then what he what he found was that uh that's not what happened at all you could totally play through bioshock just using the wrench and guns and not using (laughs) plasmids and it was like he's like damn it like he he tried to because he did that with far cry 2 yes that's what i was gonna bring up um but he found that Bioshock was a little too forgiving and a little too polite uh, in that regard. Like, there's actually a quote from a head at 2K uh, around the time Bioshock came out where he said, uh, "We are not going to ship a 25 million dollar game where players are punished for doing the right thing." Interesting. So that was their reason for making it. So you essentially got just as much resources for letting little sisters go as for harvesting them, which is yeah. less interesting. But I guess I get that stance. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very mainstream game that they probably need to yeah. counteract in some way. That's that's a cop-out, but I understand yeah. why I mean, he would say that. I think Ken Levine has been pretty open in, in the past in saying that in Bioshock 1 was not supposed to have the multiple endings thing. That was something that was literally mandated by the publisher. Um, so I think that's a, yet another example of like, yeah, they... This was before Ken Levine had the huge hit of Bioshock under his belt and yeah. was given basically free reign to make whatever he wanted. Hmm, that's interesting. So, uh, what are you going to be playing for your Thanksgiving plans? Anything? I really, I, maybe. I, I want to definitely, like, Captain Toad seems so... Uh, I, I'm going to get everything in that game. I feel pretty certain that I'm going to go through and just complete that. Um, I, I'm playing uh, Persona Q still, oh, okay. um, but I don't feel like I've seen enough of it to maybe make any huge declarative statements on it yet. Um, but I'm going to keep sort of plugging away at that. And then... Uh, and also, I'm like I found that I was neglecting my Vita, so maybe some Binding of Isaac, maybe some Danganronpa. Um, what about you? Yeah, uh, the Vita is an interesting thing too because it's really easy to take and sort of play and not feel bad about when you're <laughs> supposed to be hanging out with family. Right. Uh, and I've actually been using my Vita to play Metal Gear Solid One. Oh, nice. Recently, uh, which I find to be interesting because that game uh, is very good. Still. Um, yeah, I think so. I I had never played it before. Um, I'm sort of playing it for the first time, uh, but it it holds up in a lot of regards. But it is definitely holds true to the sort of trend of older games being very difficult, right? Like uh, oh, controls yeah. were not very forgiving back then. No. Uh, and this game is definitely no exception. I'm pretty sure they were unforgiving at the time, even. Uh, but it's pretty cool to be going back through a piece of gaming history like that and seeing it from this sort of very far outsider point of view uh, mm-hmm. and actually enjoying it because before I was very big in the camp of like oh Metal Gear oh you crazy thing that 
people somehow enjoy, you right. know, like whatever, just watch a movie. Uh, but that was because I'd only really sort of gotten that outsider uh, perspective of it. And then as I play it, I'm like, okay, actually this quirkiness makes sense in a lot of regards. Uh, and also a lot of this stuff is totally random. And uh, from an outside point of view, does look really weird and like nonsensical, but it's endearing when you're in it, right? Totally. Like when you're actually playing the game, you're like, oh, that's yeah, that's weird and funny, and like I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, endearing is exactly the right word for, yeah. for what Metal Gear is. It's it's so weird and so unlike anything else that it's it's really challenging not to be a little charmed by it when you're playing it. Yeah, and I mean, there's like a lot of the stuff in there is so dumb. Right, like so dumb. Like any time you, uh, you know, Snake is in the codex screen and wants to like randomly hit on one of the girls that's there, and it's like a minute long conversation of him hitting on them while yeah. theoretically we're deep in combat. Uh, is very funny um, and weird. Um, but like I said, that's sort of the charm and quirkiness that comes along with it. But I'll probably play that, and I've been uh, actually playing through Fez. Also for the first time. Oh, right. What system? Uh, the Vita. Cool. I'm, yeah. I, that game is so funny to me because, um, I mean, I, I downloaded it on Vita too as part of PlayStation Plus, but I haven't gone back in because I've seen the first 30 minutes of that game so many times. Um, but yep. like, there, there are a couple puzzles in that game that re- seems to be built around the Xbox 360. Uh, there's one in particular that involves the rumble motors in that controller, and I'm and I'm like curious how they have to change that every time, like for PC oh. and for Vita and for PS4. Like they hmm. have it, they got to get pretty granular, I guess, with some of these ports in a game that's that clever and like yeah. mind, mind freaky. Yeah, and I know Metal Gear probably suffers a little bit from that too. Like uh, late in Metal Gear, there's a. Uh, there's a boss battle where they say, like, oh, he's reading your your movements, like, reading your mind. You have to fool him somehow. And right. back in the day, you had to unplug your controller from controller port 1 and plug it into controller port 2. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they have to get around that, I'm sure, by doing, like, the hold down the PlayStation button, bring it up, assign it to controller slot 2. And you lose, <laughs> you, like, lose a little bit of it, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it's a still less immersive. Yeah, it's still, like, a unique thing. But like you say, it's less immersive. It's not, like, that mind-blowing of a thing where you're, like, what could I possibly do? Like, no one thinks to do that unless they already know it. When when you're a kid, if they said, like, oh, he must be reading it through the controller port, you would think to just move it over. Yeah. Even that, I feel like, is pretty unintuitive, unless there's, like, some direct hint that you get in a codec I think they get pretty they get pretty open with it Yeah, uh, I, after a while. It always cracks me up to see how, like, the, the eccentricities that come out when you port a game to a system it wasn't designed for. Like, yeah. uh... The fact that they're putting uh, Duck Hunt on the Wii uh, as a Wii Remote game. Like, you can get it on Wii U and use the Wii Remote for it. Or, um, I don't know. Like, it's actually the same reason that I haven't yet bothered to play Vibribbon yet. Because mm. uh, it's on PS3, PS4, and Vita. But on Vita and PS4, there's no custom soundtrack support. You can only get the custom soundtrack support on the PS3. Because that's the only one of those systems that supports, like, CD-ROMs as a format. So, um, did it come out on PS4? think it did but it, but without the custom soundtrack stuff or maybe it's ps3 and vita Either okay way, so that's what i thought it was is that the ps3 still has full support and it's not out on ps4 but the vita just has like this really weird gimped version of the game right because it like it's got the original game soundtrack in there which is the same one it shipped with but you you aren't getting the custom soundtrack component of it which was a big part of that game for a lot of people yeah hmm. one of the rare times in 2014 where you're like man i kind of wish i had a ps3 lying around 
I know. I actually still have mine uh, like stacked up in a corner over here. Uh, it's or it's actually resting on top of my PS4 because uh, once I beat Metal Gear One, I'll have to use the PS3 to play two, three, and four. You can get two and I think three as part of the HD collection on the Vita. Actually, if you want to stick with the Vita. Mm, okay, um, so I bought the Legacy Collection, like the one that comes on uh, PS3 where it's oh, okay. one and I think VR missions or whatever as downloads and then the rest all on discs. Um, that was a really hard thing to try and figure out which version was the best of that. Right, yeah, there's a bunch of versions of it out there. And, like, I remember the HD collection on Vita does not have one of the games that the other one does. Like, maybe it's miss. I don't know. I can't yeah. speak to that. It's. I remember buying... Um, I, I bought like I've bought weird versions of Metal Gear even before this. I had a there was one that came out on the PS3 that was a three disc version of Metal what? Gear Solid Three, hmm? and one of the discs was just a DVD with all the cutscenes in MGS3 um, strung together with like gameplay from weird camera angles. It was wow. the weirdest thing ever. But it was like official. It was like an official version of that game. And very much um, a Metal Gear thing. Totally, totally. Hmm. Okay, well, I think that might do it for our uh, Thanksgiving special. Yeah. This uh, this was Taking Turns. I'm Alex Rubens. You can find me on Twitter at Alex Rubens. And uh, I am Nick Robinson. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Babylonian. And uh, you might notice that we have a sweet new logo this week, too. Uh, that was provided by uh, Alex Van Dorp. Nick knew him, and we... Uh, had him make a very sweet logo for us that we think encapsulates what the show is all about. Yes. We're taking turns, talking about games, switching off, and we think it's pretty cool. It's very you'll classy. Have, yeah, you'll have to let us know. And this week, we're also available on iTunes. Yes, finally. I'm so psyched to be able to like point people towards an iTunes feed. I know that's how I consume most of my podcasts. Yeah, same here. And, it, and it'll make it easy for people to get it too, right? Like, it's very easy to miss a tweet and not totally. know that something's up. Um so you'll be able to find us on iTunes uh, at Taking Turns uh, sometime later this week. Uh, and if not, you can still find us at SoundCloud.com slash Alex Rubens. You can subscribe there. Uh, that's where all of our podcasts will be going through anyway. So you're not missing anything if you choose one over the other. Yep. Uh, it's pretty sweet. And we appreciate you chilling with us on your Thanksgiving Eve. Anything else, Nick? That's, I think that's about it. Let's sweet. go eat some stuff. Yes, we're going to take you out with Together by Soleil Sue featuring Childish Gambino. I think that's how you say it. Bye. Bye.
so good, yeah, he could've signed. Woo. Got the one thing that I couldn't buy. Yeah. Niggas so mad when I walk through. Yeah. With two on my arm, what they gon' do? Woman in my life, you the time to. Hi, mom, hi, mom. Lights on, lights on, lights on, lights on. Dialogue, dialogue. Rap like this, you and I got. Yeah.